This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com. So today we're talking about debunking the myths of internet marketing, clearing up the chaos and confusion once and for all. Greg, what is the chaos and confusion? Well, the chaos and confusion, Shane, it stems from a couple of dynamics, uh, a couple of dynamics that are um, really uh, coming to play where technology moves at such a fast clip, uh, particularly on the Internet, what becomes uh, the hot new item that will help a business grow becomes totally redundant and in some cases harmful uh, and to a business if they undertake the marketing tactic. And the second thing is that the um, there are so many people in there that, that are in the marketing um, business in general that come into the industry with poor intentions. It's about a money grab or a money play rather than helping people share their offering with the world. These um, kind of quick money-based quick scam artists or guys that are just in it for the money. Those mm-hmm. are the issues that create problems with the Internet as a tool, in our opinion. Yeah, and maybe I would add that uh, often there's hot topics that come up, like social media, right? There's lots of chatter right now on social media, and what that does is create a lot of pressure to you know, figure it out. And there's lots right. of questions and- about that people have, but... It's difficult if you're not an expert to really know, well, is that even worth the effort? And we're, and we're going to talk a bit on social media uh, later in this talk. Yeah, cool. and I guess along those lines, there are some gurus and consultants out there. Maybe there will be a few listening on this call. Um, if we inadvertently offend anybody due to our opinions, uh, we just apologize to you in advance. Um, but what we're... Our company is about is pursuing the truth, as we perceive it, um, without an agenda. So, uh, along cool. those lines. Yeah. So, and, and we and often you, you we talk about um, thinking about the your internet in real estate terms, like the, the, your internet presence as as an asset. And there's this notion of rent versus buy. Can you explain what that means? Absolutely. When you're in the real estate world, um, there you can own your real estate or you can rent. Now, whether you're a business or whether you're living in an apartment or renting apartment or buying an apartment, you can basically you have two choices. You can rent versus buy. And I guess the third thing you could do is squat. But basically it's renting versus buying. Now, the same falls in with, with the Internet now. The Internet has become kind of a form of uh, real estate. So you'll hear people talk about your online real estate. And what online real estate is, is the position that you have in search engines as it relates to um, high-quality keywords that can help drive traffic to your business. So that's the analogy that I'd like to share. And then within that, there are um, basically within the Internet, you have the opportunity to own or you have the opportunity to rent. 
And in real estate, the dynamics for internet real estate are very similar to the dynamics of real estate that you would purchase out in the world. And so what, what's renting mean? So who, who am I renting from? Okay, so in the internet world, when you're a renter, you're renting typically from a, an internet portal. And so what will happen is you, you have your, say we're, we're talking about a school, you have your school, uh, you have a landing page that sits inside of this directory or this internet portal where there are many other schools, and, um, and then they do all the marketing to get traffic to come to the website, and then you have leads, and then the, um, these people sign up to get more information from your school. The portal then encourages um, the, the school to, or the, the person who signed up to, to go and look at other schools as well. But here's why it's renting. It's because when you part ways with that portal, when you finished, uh, your position in that portal disappears. And you become kind of like um, obliterated, you're vapor, and you're nowhere to be found. So that's an example, uh, that's a major example of, of renting as it relates to portals. Now, portals are not a bad thing. Portals are a legitimate lead generation tactic, but you just need to understand what you're getting into when you're using portals or you're relying heavily on them, you're a renter. And in, in using that kind of metaphor then, a aggregators are kind of the property managers in this equation. They organize the various portals and but it's that kind of renting relationship where it's a temporary thing and it, there's no longevity and no long-term value built in that strategy. Correct. You're not building up a marketing asset over time. The aggregators who assemble all the leads from all the portals, they're like the property managers and then the actual portals themselves, findaschool.com or whatever you name mm -hmm. they have, those are like uh, people that own apartment blocks. Okay. And, and then in terms of ownership, then, you've got, what, there's paid search, so that would be uh, Google AdWords and uh, Bing primarily, and I guess Facebook could fall. Facebook's got advertising. Yeah, so uh, the, key is, the key with ownership, Shane, is to generate leads where you own the URL for your own website, which, oddly enough, it had, it, portals can take over the URLs of websites of schools or businesses um, on occasion, and you also want to own your um, all your accounts, whether it's paid search with um, Google or Bing or uh, even Facebook. You want to own those. It's absolutely crucial. And so I guess really the question is, who owns your accounts? Is it you or is it your advertising agency? If your ad agencies own the accounts, you're a renter. And yeah, interesting. So that's, I want to actually jump on that point for a sec, if you don't mind. Mm. There are many scenarios where, you know, the, per, the, the school thinks their owner, hey, we've got, a, yeah, we've got a paid search account, we've got this website that's producing leads for us. But when you ask the question, who, who, okay, who actually owns this thing, in fact, it turns out the, the third party that's running it for you, they own it. And an example would be an AdWords account that's um, created by a third party 
that's bundled with a bunch of other of their clients, you cannot part ways with that with that um, third party and continue to own your AdWords account. You need to start one from scratch. The consequence is that um, the history, the, the longer you've had, it, say, an AdWords or a, a Bing account, the longer you've had history in that account and refined it, the greater the value of that asset. It's appreciated, similar to you know owning a building. Exactly, and the asset is to, for the folks on the call. If you can, maybe you want to go up onto um, Google while you're on this call and type in uh, the name of your school or um, a keyword, and you'll see little ads on the right side. Those are your paid search ads, and there'll be organic ads. And you want to be in the top five spots on one of those paid search items or in the top five to eight spots in the organic part of those search engines as it pertains to the best keywords that are driving good prospects to your school. And if you get bumped out of there uh, because you've left a portal, you're hooped. You're out of luck. And so we're of the view that if you have the money, it's better to own those positions on the Internet because that has a residual value. It has an asset value to your business. Now, I want to talk about the problem with owning because it's a, there's pros and cons to both scenarios. The problem with owning is that you have to pay a company, um, like ourselves or another company, or do it in-house. Uh, you have to pay them to do the work. And it's typically to properly have an ownership stake on the Internet. It's a, a kind of an entry point of three, $4,000 a month simply to manage all the moving cogs and wheels to, to own your property. So it would be like um, having a down payment on your real estate and then doing the maintenance and, and all that. It's your responsibility. Well, it's the same with the Internet. You have to actually invest some capital well, whereas with Internet portals or yellowpages.com, um, you can get in for very little amount of money. Uh, so it's easy in, easy out with the rental part, the, the portals, whereas there's a capital investment. But you have a residual asset that you can own and mm -hmm. you can protect your business. Yeah, no, Greg, that's an excellent point, and, and you're right. And the reason that there is cost to it, like whether you outsource it or you need to hire somebody with expertise, is that, say, paid search management, all these things are difficult. Like, they're not simple. AdWords is incredibly complicated and requires a skilled, ideally a certified person who can do a proper job of it because you're spending real money and it is very easy to run up a massive Google bill without realizing it if you don't have competent leadership guiding that. Same and with that Bing. is why people like to rent, uh, like to go through portals, because generally the, um, the, the people who are generating leads are fairly adept. They're smart people, and they're, they're generating uh, traffic for that portal or that um, distribution list, the directory, and they're good at it. The only problem is, is you have to sort of share the wealth, if you will, with a couple hundred other clients, and your so-called lead gets resold several times in many cases. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so, oh, great point. Rosa, yeah, so within the, the, you're right, there are pros and cons within it. And so within the buy model, mm-hmm. what are the tactics? Like what really is prudent Internet marketing? Okay, so f- folks, I'm going to lay out a little um, multi-step um, how to own your own uh, Internet real estate presence, and here's how you do it. The first step that you do is you take your website and you optimize um, your website for conversion of traffic to leads. And we'll get back and we'll touch on that in a minute. The second thing you do is you organize a paid search campaign, usually through Google, so you can ascertain what the most effective keywords are that are converting into prospects. The third thing you do is then you take all those high-performing keywords that you learn about on Google AdWords and you um, uh, optimize your website uh, with those keywords so when somebody's typing in those keywords, there's a better shot at your website um, showing. fourth thing you do is you take those keywords and you write a specific article to each keyword and um, and then you you can go and and there are several traffic building tactics to drive traffic to your website over time, um, including social media, online PR, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But in simple terms, those are the steps that you run through in order to uh, create um, uh, a result. Mm-hmm. How's and that? Yeah, no, and I, what I may add to that is that you've got sort of, we'll call it four categories, or three legs, four legs of the Internet marketing stool. One is paid search, Google AdWords and Bing, primarily, and that's the paid listings. Two, you've got um, uh, conversion improvement on the website. And I think we should talk about this one in a sec in more detail. But basically, most of us, we've got these websites that sit there and and traffic ends up there one way or the other, right? We get people coming. Most of us do a horrid job of converting that traffic to a a real lead. Like, you know, less than 2% for the vast majority of schools, and I would hazard most of the people on this call, less than 2% of the visitors end up becoming a lead. And we know that um, in terms of lead to, lead to enrollment rates, there's a much higher likelihood that person's going to enroll if they come to you off your website than they do from a portal and even yes, from so a paid search campaign. So speaking to the website, there, there really are four key elements to a successful website, one of which is, is about 80% of the, 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 the mixture. So you nice you have to have ideally some nice um, production values. Uh, you want it well written, decent copywriting. You know, conversational, first person, like you're chatting with somebody at Starbucks. Want to have it navigate properly so you're not orphaning or moving around. The, the what you're speaking to, Shane, is the very most important part of the website. Uh, which only o- occupies about 10% of the actual space on a website, and that is the what we call the direct response pathway. Direct response pathway. And um, the direct response pathway is what 
basically monetizes a website and allows you to generate a, a proper flow of leads and, as important, phone calls that come to your website. So it's interesting. You know, Shane, we've, we've taken some pretty um, nasty-looking websites and just put on a direct response pathway as a patch and have them absolutely kick butt over the pretty ad agency websites, haven't we? Oh, we, we have, and there's... It, it's... It's it's always interesting to me what really generates conversions, and it really is just being explicit about asking for it. It's partly that simple: ask someone to be a lead and give them a, a you know a legitimate reason to do so. Have some copy that kind of speaks to their self-interest and the questions that they have, and you know their concerns and the career outcomes they're looking for, and is factually based and easy to read, but not boring. And provide proof that the promises you're making you actually deliver on. You know, so proof would be testimonials, endorsements, you know, maybe some employers, uh, success stories, just the things that demonstrate that, hey, this is a, a credible school and it's going to deliver what is being promised. So and to those, reiterate, what, what you're saying is instead of uh, offer people a, a tiny baby step to give up their information, speak in, make it all about them, not about you, right? Mm -hmm. And basically um, uh, uh, speak to their self-interest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same marketing. And, and offer proof. Yeah, and offer proof, the same marketing. Now, why do we offer proof? That's an interesting comment. Oh, okay, That's I've got an answer for you on that one. Mm -hmm. Because your website is an ad, is the real oh, answer. Okay, so why? But still, why do you need to have uh, offer proof for an ad? Because people don't believe ads. Oh, they don't believe ads. Ad advertising has very little credibility, is why. And so websites have greater credibility, but your website is just an ad. And so, so advertisers uh, are liars. Well, uh, many advertisers are liars. Yeah. And then what happens is when you've been exposed to thousands and thousands of lies over many, many years of watching TV or listening to radio or reading the paper or going online, you become cynical and jaded. Sure. Absolutely. You be or you become I, I would say you, you become acclimated to an advertising intensive culture. Right, like you just learn how to cope with that. It's like, I don't know, living in China amongst millions and millions of people, and you get accustomed to the chatter of the crowd, and you can tune out of it. I have another analogy. You yeah. you have a friend who's chronically late, so you tell them that you're going to meet them at three o'clock, and you show up at three thirty because you know they're going to be late. So you you do like yeah. a workaround. Yeah, you just yeah get used to it. So the one way that you can cut through that is through it's a psychological principle called social proof, and social proof is uh, demonstrating um, your premise, backing it up by the experience of others, and that's you know that's essentially what stories and testimonials are is a version of social proof. It's a very effective marketing tactic. Websites Particularly on the 
Yeah, particularly the internet because you have multiple channels to do it, and you can do it at your at your time. You can you can write the story, you can have videos of the story. Those are all uh, those fall largely under the kind of credibility uh, devices. They add credibility. People that feel you have a credible offer and it seems like a good bet, and it seems like it's not it's it's above board, are more likely to inquire. So okay, so um, moving right along, what's next on our list here? What, are, what else? Well, I, I just I want to share one stat on website, just so we have some you know some hard stats here. I'd mentioned that typically one to two percent of visitors to a website convert to a lead. Best practice is six percent or higher. Meaning, so, schools that are effective at doing this can convert six percent or more of the visitors. To their website to a lead. The difference so if a between two and six. Has two thousand uh, leads, uh, uh, two thousand visitors a month. What you're suggesting is there's a maybe an extra one hundred leads a month, just um, leaping off of those website pages that you could recoup. That's right. That's a lot. It is a lot. That has a retail value of four grand. At and sort if of regular five percent of those hundred leads into business, um, then twenty thousand dollars a piece. It's an extra. Oh, it's a well over a million dollars a year in additional revenue. It is. It's a very significant. Okay, let's move on. Great. So the third, the third part of this is is SEO. Like, there's lots of people that say search engine optimization. Hey, you got to. We'll get you number one on the search engines. Tell yeah, me you about that, some, Greg. You had some uh, questions for me on that, didn't you? I did. Is that possible? Is SEO worth it? What are the I characteristics it, of? Yeah, I think SEO is a load of crap. Oh, can you explain that? Well, okay. Yeah, let me explain it. There's there are two types of advertising. There's there is the it's it's a load of crap from a direct response marketing context. So let me clarify because that was a provocative statement, actually said with some forethought. The if you have a paradigm around direct response marketing, which is the the currency of people that want to create revenue, then social media is is really nasty. Um, it if your paradigm is around brand brand building. Then social media is is a decent tactic. Now there are two types of ways to advertise. There's um, search advertising, and then there's interruption advertising. Search advertising is powerful advertising because people are searching for solutions. Examples are search engines on the internet and classified sections within um, uh, classified sections within the newspaper would be the two primary examples. Interruption advertising is uh, Facebook. So you're you're kibbutzing with your friends on Facebook. It's the internet version of a coffee shop. You're yakking with your friends, and on the right hand side there are all these little ads trying to convince you to stop talking to your friends and to buy something from them. And so it's right off the bat, there's a mild adversarial relationship developing where you have these, it'd be like sitting in a coffee shop with your buddies and with 
guys all around you waving their hands trying to lure you away from a conversation with your friend. And so really what we like to do is look at P, uh, at Facebook as a version of public relations. It's one of the PR tactics. And so if branding, building your brand or building the insurance policy of you being a good decision to purchase uh, somebody to purchase something from you is valuable brand building, but you you don't do it through advertising. You do it through public relations, and then you use your advertising to sell. So, so Greg, just l- let me interrupt for a sec. So, when we talked about social media at the beginning of this call, and really, what you're saying is that social media is not a a, a lead generating tactic. Social media is a PR um, branding tactic. Is that correct? Correct. That's correct. So there is pay-per-click on Facebook, but the conversion rates are abysmally low, primarily because it's an interruption medium. Okay. And so the so Facebook for an as an advertising platform is not even a distant third to Google and Bing. It's it's really not functional. Yeah, it's, it's very marginal. Now, where Facebook can be used effectively is to build an alumni association, um, and and then you you give something to your alumni and your stakeholders, and then you gently ask for referrals periodically. But you have but keep in mind if you're a hardcore business person running a business unit, you need to work to metrics. You cannot manage what you cannot measure. And and then the corollary of that is, in marketing, advertising you pay, PR you pray. In other words, you go to Facebook, online public relations, any kind of PR, it can be pretty powerful, but you don't know when and where the results are coming from. You, you have very little control uh, over cause and effect. And so you have to kind of think of it like a, it's a nice-to-have, not a need-to-have. Uh, mm-hmm. If your primary objective is to generate high-quality leads, then you really want to treat social media as kind of a tertiary activity, something to do when your core stuff is is organized and working. Mm-hmm. We we had started this chat around uh, search engine optimization, which is the the promise made that hey, we're going to increase where you rank up on, say, Google, on the what's called organic search within Google, and then we, we'd move to social media a bit. I just want to touch back on SEO. I have a few thoughts. Sure. You have any questions for me first, Jane? Uh, yes. Does SEO work now? I think, for the, in the most part, SEO is crap, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and why is that? Is, well, the reason is... is in large terms, there are eight to ten spots for a, a given keyword. There are fifty thousand websites coming on the internet every day, ballpark. Huge competition for those eight or nine spots. Google and Bing will not share their algorithm to give you a proper cause and effect to get to the top. This is because their business model is all based on the paid search ads on the right side. So why would they help you on the organic? They're just chopping off their their toes. Now, the, Google have coming are come. They have these things called Panda and Penguin 
notes. They're basically black and white. They create black and white out of things people are not sure of, creating clarity. And basically, they've been spending a lot of time lately basically saying to all these SEO agencies who might take a, an article and stick it in 100 spots, say, no, you can't do that anymore. We're going to punish you if you do that. So in large terms, what you can do is you can, you can write uh, guest spots on blogs. You can take an article and put it in one spot in addition to your website. Um, but basically what they've done is stripped out all the, the marketing machinery that proliferates content and turns the, um, turns the, uh, the Internet into kind of a dung heap. And so what's the byproduct of that is SEO works really, really well, but you have to write legitimate content and you can't proliferate it all over the place anymore. And so... And Greg, SEO just let me interrupt. Let me interrupt. So, th so that's that link building. So SEO is, there's the, like, on-page, uh, you know, you have your meta tags and you have, you know, keywords in your copy kind of stuff. Like, there, there's, called maybe the event. It's an event. Get the website tarted up in such a way that hopefully the search engines will view it as favorable. And then you have the tactics around trying, trying to share links or get links posted to your website. What you're saying is all that link building has now been... Um, turned off by Google. They're not recognizing it anymore, and, and in some cases it, it actually penalizes you. Is that right? Yes, correct. They're attacking it and, and starting to, to decon, deconstruct that whole infrastructure of link, of link building. Um, so basically, if you have a legitimate public relations effort where you're, le you're distributing legitimate content, um, that's valuable. But you have to remember... Advertising you pay, PR you pray, and public relations is labor-intensive. It takes a long time, and you, you can't land on a result in a cause-and-effect manner. Hmm. Okay, Greg, we're just about out of time. I just want to quickly summarize what we talked about, and then you have a little offer, and then we're going to open up to questions. So okay, when we so talk about in terms of rent versus buy, renting has the advantage of being uh, low-cost to get into. It doesn't require an investment in expertise or infrastructure, and it's a, it's a quick path to be able to generate leads. The consequence of it is that they're usually shared and that there's no long-term value built up. Correct. To build up, the ownership strategy is more around how do we build up our own assets so they increase in value over time. Uh, you, the, the cautionary tale is to make sure that you are, in fact, buying when you may actually be renting, and that was those examples around who really owns your AdWords campaign, really who owns your hosting. Do you control the hosting, or is a, does a vendor control it? Who owns the domains on your website? Is it you or your vendors? And those are important questions to get answered to make sure that you are, in fact, buying and not renting. Yes, and then one more cautionary tale on that note, Shane, is when you are buying, you, when you want to own, you have to be prepared to go in and, and buck up three to $4,000 a month in fees to just uh, get in the, to cover all the, the labor to run all the moving parts. Absolutely, yeah. And that's, that's 
before you're spending money on advert like the actual advertising costs, just labor, either right. contracting it out or into hiring internally, and and probably more than that. The 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 buying strategy encompasses uh, paid search. Uh, so at Google AdWords and Bing primarily, it encompasses your website, which is often a fantastic and largely overlooked way to generate leads. And it includes uh, things like social media and, and SEO, but social media in particular is really more of a PR strategy. It's not a direct way to generate leads. It, it's a uh, it, it, it affects your brand and how you're perceived in the market and can maybe encourage more people to um, become a lead, but it's an indirect method at best. Now, and Shane, a quick question from Lauren. Um, she wants to know about using social, um, uh, social media like Facebook as a tactic to generate social proof um, around the, the quality or the caliber of your business, like reputation management. Yeah, that's a great question, and in fact, that it's it's ideally suited to that exact thing. So the 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 things like getting somebody to like your Facebook page, say, is a is a passive way to remarket to that person to help to demonstrate over time that you're a credible place to go to and to give you those social proof kind of opportunities. To um, to w- sort of win trust over time. The challenge is that it doesn't allow you to create a lead. And most schools, or certainly most private schools, are oriented around a more proactive admissions process, where they need somebody's name and phone number and email address in order for that to kind of kind of help them. So gen- our view is generating the leads the most important first activity, then getting somebody to say like you on Facebook, then continuing to remarket to that person through some kind of a nurture campaign is is how you build the trust over time. But the and nurture the, campaigning, Shane, that's I guess what's interesting about that is if you can get somebody to opt in and agree to receive repetitive communication from you Really, you're you're going to be able to do your advertising frequency free of charge. Uh, well, yeah, in a way, in, ter- in terms of branding, that's how it's pitched. Hey, you need to be you need to have repetition. That's how the newspapers pitch it. And hey, you need repetition to get your brand out there. Why not just generate the lead and then build your brand with them through? Uh, email and through getting them to you know like you on Facebook or or uh you know follow you on Twitter or on LinkedIn. That's yeah, a much Frieza, better more inexpensive strategy. Yeah, free is a pretty good price. Free is a pretty good price. Now Greg, we're going to open up the uh, phone to to uh, questions in a sec, but you we have a little offer. Yeah, um, folks, uh, Shane and I have uh, we've been talking about what can we help people with where a fi- in a five-minute phone call. And here's what we have. We, we have a secret here. And th- the secret is we, we have this little um, widget called the Lost Revenue Finder. And it's kind of like a mortgage calculator. And if you contact us for a five-minute meeting, uh, we will take you through this um, 
this revenue finder and we will tell you within three minutes how much money you're leaving on the table. And don't be shocked if it comes north, back to you north of a million dollars. Um, then you'll be able to see the scope of your marketing problem. Now, on the flip side, if the number is very small, then you can just put a tick off and say, oh, marketing's doing great. But within three minutes, we will diagnose the depth of your marketing challenge with our revenue finder calculator thing. So the way to actualize on that is to either um, email us at enrollment, uh, paul at enrollmentresources.com or you can uh, send a text message uh, along with your name and your school and the text message number is 250-888-7111, 250-888-7111, or you can phone us, 250-391-9494, 250-391-9494. The first five people that call in, uh, we will uh, take you through our little revenue finder uh, secret and you'll find out how much money you are leaving on the table with your school. Great. Okay, I'm going to unmute everybody, and let's see if there's any other questions. We covered a lot today and not a lot of time. Just bear with me. Oh, and Shane, so I think, you know, to, we're a tiny bit over time, but we should say goodbye to anybody who has to leave um, the formal part of the call here, hey? Great. Yes. Thank you, folks. If you have to bust off, feel free. I'm just going to unmute it right now. Or ah, there we go. Everyone's unmuted. So, folks, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, Shane. Hey. Yes. Um. I'm not sure if there's anybody hey, who all stick around. This is Matt over Valley College. Hey, Matt, how you doing, bud? Good, good. I'm not sure if. Uh, I just kind of want to add a comment about the social media thing. Yes, actually, actually, about the call in general, I think one thing that one thing that comes down to is is identifying your audience, your student that you're that you're kind of going after, as well as. Um, as well as identifying your capabilities as an organization. You know, That's when you're, when a great you're, point. When, yeah, when you're when you're out there on 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 uh, you know lead aggregates, lead generation. Um, I mean, if you're a smaller organization, smaller school, you're going to have a hard time competing with some of the larger uh, places that already have plans and processes in place to handle that. Mm-hmm. So that's right. a, that's kind of a reach within grasp uh, principle. D don't try right. to do things I, I, you don't have the internal ability or expertise, money, time to pull off. Exactly. So I think that's where it comes into, like you said, is, is understanding where you should be marketing um, and what you should be doing. So I, I think that just kind of plays a part of that. Yeah, well, that's a great point, Matt. I appreciate it. Cool. Do we have anyone else on the call uh, has any questions or comments? Yep, Paul and Shane, it's uh, in Encino, California. Oh, sorry, I missed your name. You, you cut out for a sec. Sorry, it's uh, Chris Knight at Academy of Digital Arts in Encino, California. Right. Hi, Chris. Hi. My question is about um, uh, direct response pathway. Mm -hmm. 
is it most common that schools have on their on their very first page a uh, submission form? Yeah, it is common. Yes, and it's a good practice. Does that does that end up being a a, a gatekeeper to getting into the site, or is there a workaround if someone doesn't want to? Uh, submit the information but want to see the site, how do they get past that? Oh, okay. L let me clarify. Having someone have to fill out a form in order to just see the normal website is not a good practice. Having a form um, beside the content that you have on your website is a good practice. And here's why. We, we as you know, we go to a website and someone's surfing around and they're trying to figure out is this good for me or not? That's the fundamental question. Am I going to like doing this? Is this would this be a good move? Do I feel safe enough in order to, you know, make some kind of contact with this organization? And is it going to be pleasant or unpleasant? Right? And so they, you know, typically they would go to a program page, read about the program, they might go to a career services page, they might look at some testimonials, they might look at, you know, a few things on there. When you have a form there, that, you, you kind of capitalize on on the the thing that is the triggering point for somebody to feel safe and, and uh, safe enough to fill out a form. So that's why it's a good practice to have it. Um, making it Conditional on getting anything is is not a good practice. I don't think a compliant practice. Yeah, sure. Okay, got it. Okay, but uh, still, you're seeing it on the on the homepage as opposed to um, uh, a choice uh, later on in the in the site. Yeah, we I think. Uh, if I yeah, could jump in, I think you yeah. want to be uh, if you're going to put sign up forms above the fold on one of, and keep it on one of the frames. So no matter where anybody travels in the website. There's always that form available for them to to um, to sign up on. Got it. Okay, super. Cool. Good. Your great right, question. You. Anyone else who's got a question or a thought? I do. Hi. Uh, hey. This is Edie from Atlanta School of Massage in Atlanta. Hi, Edie. Hi. How are you guys? Great. Um, so this is in response to advertising is a load of crap. Um, which I kind of, I, I resonate with that. I typically, um, you know, ads turn me off and um, uh, strong content actually is, you know, what uh, I guess engages me. Um, so why should we do a Google Ads campaign? Because that's advertising. Well, yes and no. It, it is advertising. The, Greg, Greg had spoken earlier to the um, uh, interruption advertising mm -hmm. versus um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, search, what mm -hmm. is it, interruption and um, opt-in. Mm -hmm. When someone goes on Google, they are looking for something, mm, right? Okay. They want to find something. Google, I think purposely, I don't, I don't have any basis for this other than, uh, conjecture, but Google Google purposely makes it hard to consistently rank high through search engine optimization. They throw roadblocks up on that. Mm -hmm. I believe the reason they do that is they want to create demand for their advertising. Uh, advertising is is a shortcut to the front of the line. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, That's the it. reason to do it. So Shane, okay. Greg, uh, there's there's one other thing to remember though is even if Google gave the algorithm uh, for the um, organic side, 
there would be thousands of people for every key word battling to get on that uh, to, to get on that organic side. So nothing would change. You'd still be in this horrendous scrap, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great so point. Shane said, Edie, um, paid search allows you to queue jump, and really the tactic over time is you start with paid search, and then mm-hmm. as you over time take some of those keywords and phrases and post consistently at the top on the organic side, then you just pause pause the paid search ones. And so ideally after a couple of years you have a blend of organic words that are working well and you use the paid search as an augmentation. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that that does make sense. And I was not familiar or aware of the uh you know, the I guess the drastic change with Google and um Ranking uh, organically, higher, you know, high ranking. Yeah, that was pretty recent. It was a f- few months ago. Like, Greg and I have knowledge, not a, not specific expertise on SEO. That we have staff that have sp- mm-hmm. specific expertise, so they brief us. And th- my understanding is, a few months ago, there was a significant change in how Google managed their algorithm, which really discounted the kind of um, link-building tactic as helpful. Got so you've it. got, you know, they, formerly there are all these, or there still are all these link-building services, right? You get guys mm-hmm. offshore to do it for, you know, five bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what what it was doing was creating a bunch of essentially crappy links that didn't help, but, you know, were activity that could justify a bill for SEO services. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not valid now. Right, right. Okay. So, Edie, the overall challenge for you on organic marketing or SEO traffic building is to think of it as a proper public relations effort that's labor-intensive. Um, and there's the advantage of, of putting good content out into the Internet is that it archives and it accumulates. If you put in a good article every two weeks, after a year, you'll have 24 good articles out in the world archived. And right. and so it has a kind of a cumulative benefit. But mm-hmm. the what we want people to get away from is it's not a get rich quick kind of a deal, right Shane? Mm-hmm. Right. Right, right. Yeah, and that's you know, I've heard over and over the importance of um consistent blog posting. Um you know, several times a week if you can because yeah, thing. meaningful yeah. content. That's right. That's right. It has a lot of value for that reason. Particularly, like I know with your school, you have some fantastic stuff, right? You're a fantastic. You have a fantastic school you work with that has a right. lot of unique perspective on things. Yeah, that is worth sharing. Yeah, yeah, yep, definitely. And um, you know, we're, we've just recently been talking a lot about. Um, besides the education, people always have a transformative experience here, mm-hmm. which is kind of unique, um, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that has great value in social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But a social proof, that's, that kind of social proof really supports the message. Creating, generating leads, though, is the key first step. Because if you don't have any leads, then you don't have anyone to, you know, um, can you know share the, that message with. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, Appreciate great. It. Hope you got something out of this. Sure did. Thank you. Y'all have a great weekend. You too. Okay. Any other questions before we wrap up? No, that was great. This is Valerie in uh, uh, Summers, Connecticut at, at NETS, and, and thank you again for inviting me to join you on this. Oh, great. I'm glad it helped Valerie. Uh, it definitely did. Uh, it, the more I can learn, the better. And social media is something that, that we're very new to here at NETS. Um, it has not been something that the company previously embraced, and, and I've got a, a Facebook page up with about 300 people and uh, 300 oh. likes, and it's getting a lot of hits. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, you can say hi to Mark for me and tell him I've been trying to reach him. Oh, yeah? I saw him yesterday. He was here on campus yesterday. Oh, good. Okay, well, you see him, nag him for me. <laughs> I'll mention that, that I spoke with you, and thank you for offering this <laughs> seminar. Okay. Have All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. It's Hi. Megan over in Pittsburgh. Hey, Megan. I'm, I'm going to ask a question. I appreciate your time today, and, and I learned a lot from it, but I'm going to ask something more geared towards a little bit of a different idea. Do you do um, webinars and and things like that often because one of the issues that we're seeing and, and we thought maybe things would start to change now that it's kind of a back to school time, um, we're not able to get individuals to come. Um, they sign up, they do our placement testing, and we never hear from them again. They, I don't know if they lose interest. And what I'm trying to ask is, is there any way that you're going to have any type of webinar or anything coming up that might assist with maybe some tips or hints or anything to get us out of this cycle. Greg, do you want to take a first crack at that? Yeah, I'll take a crack at that. Why don't you call us and we'll spend some uh, one-to-one time with you on the phone, if you like. Absolutely. And and then in the broader question, uh, we do these once a month, and I think later in the year we're going to do a talk on um, first point of contact. So okay. what do you think you're talking about? How to take that interest and form it up into something solid, I think is what you're getting at? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're kind of a unique case because we're a nonprofit organization. We're not, you know, we're a state-licensed school, but we're more a diploma program. I mean, we're not, um, just to compare schools here in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, a CCAC or a Duquesne or a Carnegie Mellon. I mean, we're a, we're a small-scale school, um, but I mean, even to the point we have a scholarship available that fully covers the cost of the class, and I can't even get anyone to fill out the scholarship. So it's really it's it's getting frustrating, and it's unfortunate because there we know that there's need out there. There's need for what we offer to the individuals we offer it to, but we just can't seem to get them to follow through it, from there. So that's Megan. Nice. So your your challenge is simply to go and. Uh, uh, We'll put some energy into how you're communicating and and your points of persuasion. Yeah, absolutely. What's the name of your school, Megan? We I'm actually with Goodwill of Southwestern Pennsylvania, and okay. our program here is called the Goodwill Tra- Employment and Training Center. Got it. Okay, yeah. If you e- email in or call and talk with uh, Paul, he'll schedule some time, and and either Greg or I can spend some time with you. Great. Very much appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for coming. Hello, this is Chris. Hey, Chris. 
Hey, um, I'm with HVACREDU.net. Okay, great. And uh, one of my one of my associates, um, Mr. Brown, um, turned me on to this webinar. Anyhow, Is I have Bill. Bill Brown. Yep. Nice. Uh, I had a question about. Uh, unfortunately, I, I logged in just a wee bit late. What were the three important steps that you guys started out with or talked about? Yeah, was that three important steps to uh, uh, create your own, like in the the buying strategy? <laughs> See, that's what I get for being a slightly late. Uh, well, that's okay. Um, uh, one of them was social proof. I think that was the last one. Great. I'll speak. I'll speak yeah, to that. go for it, Greg. So what you want to do is is see your website, your landing pages really need to be organized uh, like a, um, a direct response, fashioned long copy direct response sales letter. And, and so what you want to do is you want to start by provoking, then agitating, then solving, and then proving, and then closing. So, uh, Shane, why don't you speak to those five steps? I think it's interesting. I'm sorry, Greg, I missed the first one. You cut out for a little bit. Uh, in the headline, it's, it's uh, provoking and agitating. Oh, like in terms of copywriting. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think what Greg's getting at is the, the to, to engage somebody with copy, you need to speak to their self-interest or the pain or the frustration they have, right? And so, using that on, say, a website, which is one of the one of the th the three um, foundations, it's understanding the pain that person has and and um, communicating in a way that either creates curiosity or provokes them to to want to read on. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. And then in terms, so you've got the, the, these foundations, essentially website, uh, paid search, and then um, uh, we'll call it PR or branding. Mm -hmm. Those would be the three. And then within branding, you've got social media, and, and I, we'd argue SEO is now really more a branding thing. Uh those are the kind of the, called the three legs of the internet marketing stool. Within those, you've got um, how the question is how do we take best advantage of them, right? Because mm -hmm. you know a website in and of itself doesn't necessarily do anything, and that's what Greg was speaking to the the um, copywriting. How do we uh, communicate in a compelling way, which is that you know provoke is one of the principles within that. Uh, you've got, um, call it, uh, call to, call it direct response pathways. Are we yeah, my asking them to asking them to do something, right? Are we are we taking advantage of this traffic and trying to generate a response? Uh, and three, do we are we backing it up with uh, credibility, which is that social proof thing? Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I'm glad somebody has time to think about it. Um, the all right, well, um, no. Are 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 you with a school? Or are you with the, the like H A V C 
It's, it's HVAC something. Is that a school? HVACREDU.net. We are an online HVACR technician program. Okay, great. Um, uh, you guys are in Vancouver, aren't you? Uh, yeah, close to Victoria. Oh, that's even better. Uh, <laughs> You're uh, right. Well, we hang out across the streets at Port Angeles quite often. Uh, oh, right. yeah, we've, been, we've come over and drank beer at your town, and um, it's lovely over there, the Hurricane Ridge and what have you. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you uh, give us a call, and we'll spend some time with you on the phone. I already did. I, I called in about a half hour ago when you made your offer. So. Uh, oh, good. All right, then. Somebody took my name and, and phone number, so um, I want to talk to you guys. So give me a call back. Yeah, we All definitely right. will. Okay. You bitch. Take care. Cool. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Okay. Have we run out of questions? There's one more, Shane. No, I think we're done. Okay. Well, hey, if you're still online, thanks for uh, attending, and look forward to talking to you next month. <laughs>